Welcome, Suns fans, to another episode of the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Lissy. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing really good, man. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm just okay yeah. today. Yeah, I actually went and hit some golf balls yesterday. I'm supposed to go play a oh, round that's good. of golf tomorrow. So I was like, you know what? Let me just go to the driving range and hit a few golf balls around and got a bucket of like 85 balls. And on the third ball, I swung and I tweaked something in my lower back. Oh my god! The <laughs> third the, ball. Yeah, right, like, right away. Then right away, like I didn't stretch like an idiot. Yeah, I'd been lifting some stuff at work, so I'd be like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm limber enough. And then third ball, and the worst thing is like I had my AirPods in. I was listening to uh, some Black Keys. Yeah, and I think I made a whimpering sound. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure everybody who was uh, on the driving range kind of like looked over their shoulder and was like, what the fuck was that? Somebody kick a dog? I was like, oh, uh-huh. you know. So. <laughs> well, dude, that's the worst. Um, I never thought about stretching before golf. Like that's nothing I've ever even thought about. So maybe that's something I should start doing too. Yeah, in my old age, it's starting to manifest itself. And it's kind of frustrating because I've been sitting with a heat pad on all day. Yeah. I just like I'm limping around the house. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, no matter what we do now, like I'm, I'm at that age too. Anything I do, I need to stretch. There's, there's consequences to everything now. Remember there when is. Younger, there's no consequences. Nope. I'll just walk in my front door and I tweak my knee all the time. <laughs> Happens all the time. You have like three beers, you're hungover for two days. You're like, that's a, the math doesn't even make sense on that yes. anymore. Yes. No yeah. alcohol is actually really good right now. Like I don't even care about it. Like whenever I go a few weeks without it, it's like I don't even miss it now. Well, that's good. That means you're not an alcoholic, and I'm proud yes. of you for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is John, uh, co-host with Matthew of the Jam Session, John and Matthew. So thank you for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast networks so where you can get both the Sun's Jam Session and Fanning the Flames. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sun's Jam. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Foyda. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Blissey. And we have a lot to talk about today. It's Suns in Quarantine Week 13, lucky number Week 13 of the Suns being in quarantine. And a lot of little developments kind of along the way. We're starting to see the shape of what the NBA season is going to look like come July 31st. So we have a lot to talk about on this beautiful podcast. You ready for this, Matthew? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, there's only one thing that's going to help me with my back besides the ibuprofen I just took. And that's this ice cold beer. So let me crack this bad boy open. <laughs> and let's talk about Suns in Quarantine, week 13. So the first thing I wanted to delve into today is a tweet that I saw from Kellen Olson and said that Suns owner Robert Sarver was on the outlet with Lindsey Smith and said that the extra time now they can potentially get around 70% of the arena renovations done for next season as opposed to the roughly 50% they were looking at before. So one of the positives of everything kind of being shut down and the time that's been allotted to the Talking Stick Resort Arena renovation team is the fact that we're going to see something even better next year than we initially expected, right? Yeah, there's a few ways you can go with this. Um, Honestly, I feel like they should just finish our next season because they're talking about not actually having any fans next year. Uh, That's something I heard from CBS Sports. 
Um, so if they do that, I feel like they should just play the season at the uh, Madhouse of McDowell and then finish the, finish the arena re- renovations. That way you're ready for next year. But, I mean, either way, I mean, they play the season at Talking Stick. We're not going to be able to see it or experience it until the following season. Uh, it's, it's kind of depressing looking at it that way. Um, but it's but true. It's true. And I, I think we all knew they would be ahead of schedule because of all this time they had. So that's good news. Um, it's gonna, I'm very excited to see what it's going to look like uh, firsthand. Yeah, and like you said, who knows when we'll actually have an opportunity to see the inside of Talking Stick Resort Arena in person. Because if they do play even half of next season with no fans until we kind of figure out how we approach all that, yeah, play it at the Madhouse. I mean, it's a smaller venue. Yeah. It's a nice place. Uh, they can you know, knock out the games there and then knock out the rest of the renovations over at Talking Stick Resort Arena. Another thing that was actually put out was uh, the new training facility is on track to be finished by Labor Day. Yeah. And that's great because free agency starts, what, October 18th. So when those new free agents are looking for, to come and join a new team, yeah. potentially the Phoenix Suns, it'll be one in October versus July, which we're used to. And two, they're going to have this beautiful training facility that they see. And it's right there on 44th Street in Camelback. And that, I mean, that's just going to be something that potentially could allure those free agents, which is fantastic. Yeah. Do you think Phoenix, though, now with those updates and the upgrades, do you think they're a top 10 like destination now? Because they have to be. Because I feel like Phoenix has always been like teeter tottering in the top 10, but the renovations were always needed to actually like uh, cement them as one of a top 10 place to come. Because I was listening to Bill Simmons and CC Sabathia was talking yes. about was how he went to right New York. There. Yeah, how he came there. And I, you forget how big of a deal it is, but it's huge. I mean, we had Trevor Ariza say he would never play here if he knew what it looked like and what he would experience when he was here with the old the old buildings and all that. But CC said, like, he's like, that was one of the biggest reasons he went to New York was because of the new stadium. He didn't want to have to deal with, like, the old stadium and all that. So it's a big piece of it. And it's it's very exciting because I think not even top 10, but what other cities do you think are better to play at than Phoenix? Like LA, of course, yeah. no one wants to play New York. Uh, one thing with <laughs> New York is like the, the travel to the gym or travel to the arena sucks. I don't feel like players really want to play in big cities anymore. Um, Brooklyn is cool now, so maybe that. But other than that, I just like where else would you want to go to play? Miami, South Beach is Miami. Has one, yeah. a huge allure to it. Yep. Uh, Toronto, you I think, think that so? I, I think Toronto's alluring because you have such a rabid fan base. I, the nightlife in Toronto is fantastic. The issue is a typical NBA season. You know, it's fucking cold as shit up there so i mean that's why yes. like places like toronto chicago minnesota anything north during again a regular nba season isn't as alluring because you know that you're going to be living there during the cold now granted typically free agents go to those places in july and it's nice in chicago in july it's nice in toronto in july so they they, they fall for it, if you will. They're like, oh, this is going to be beautiful. I'm going to enjoy playing here. And then, like, December hits. And they're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, but, exactly. But I think – I don't know about top ten destinations. Maybe really? destination. Yeah, just because of our management. I mean, we, oh, are, yeah. we are turning a corner, and there is a new culture in Phoenix. And I think that is appealing to new free agents. But I, we still have that – history of losing for the past 10 years this isn't a place that people are like oh yes phoenix is a well-run organization 
and free agents flock here like they used to. Now, granted, to your point, with the new renovations, with a new arena, with a new workout facility, it's going to be top-notch, top-tier, newest in the NBA. So we are going to have that shiny wow factor that people yeah. are going to be drawn to. And my hope is, again, with free agency happening October 18th, that we're going to hook a couple big fishes. It'd be really awesome if we could. You know, not a huge, lot, not a lot of big fishes out there this upcoming offseason. But still, you might get somebody who's going to be a complimentary player to the team. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we definitely have a chance now. So I'm trying to think of where else a would be a, a like a good place to play. I know it's hard to think of because, OKC? and like you said, the winning the winning part. It's like yeah, but like even Kevin Durant left OKC, they were winning all the time. You know what I mean? Not winning championships, but they were they were close. So it's just like I don't know what players really want. Even KD, like when he went to the Brooklyn, he just said it was cool to be there. Like it's a cool place to be. It's all brand new too. Yeah. Even though they don't have a big fan base, which is I don't think the players give a shit about that. Like I no, really, they don't. really don't. It's I don't about think quality of life. It is. Interesting. That was a great podcast though, because CC essentially said, "I thought I was going to go to the Dodgers, and yes. I'm kind of glad I didn't." I didn't. The old stadium. He's like. I went to the Yankees in 09 when they had the brand new stadium and it was a, you know, a cool clubhouse and all that. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that shit matters to them, man. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, but it didn't matter for Mookie. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got, his ass got traded. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. All right. Never so next up I wanted to, I wanted to, yeah, it, it, fucking Mookie bets, man. Don't get me started on that, dude. The the Dodgers have an opportunity to have one of the best players in major league baseball for one year, because you don't know where he's going after this because he becomes a free agent and they're not even fucking playing. Ugh, pisses me off. Anyways, this is not a Dodger Love yeah, podcast. This is for the Phoenix Suns. And next yep. up, we're going to talk about the impact of DeAndre Ayton. You look at him this year, 19 points per game, 12 rebounds per game on 54.8% field goal percentage. Should the Suns be running their offense through DeAndre Ayton? Well, I've always said yes. Um but um, a better question is, do you think there's going to be a time really this season or coming up to where DeAndre Aiden realizes his potential and he, um, does he have it in him to take it over? And it's kind of, it's not like LeBron and Wade where LeBron had to take over the Miami Heat, but it's like, is there going to be a time really when DeAndre Aiden realizes like, I need to take over this offense for it to be effective. I honestly think that could be something that will happen, but whether it happens or not is like a question. Um, I I think Aiden's going to be the best offensive player we have all around, but when is it going to happen though? I mean, we just got to wait and see. Yeah. Unfortunately we have to wait and see because you know, he has the physical gifts to do so, but it's all what's happening in between the ears. Is he focused enough to, to take over the game and to understand his physicality and domination is enough to equate to success for him. I think he's still too passive. I think that, again, he's young. You know, it's year two. Yeah. I think by, I'm hoping the middle of next year, it really starts to click for him. Because if you start running the offense through him, he's such a great passer as a big. His footwork gets better and better and better. Obviously, mm-hmm. his field goal percentage is fantastic. And if you can start to run the offense through him and have defenses collapsing weak side, then Devin Booker's wide open and hitting threes. Then Kelly Oubre has an opportunity to hit some of those threes. Then you have people like Ricky Rubio who's run perhaps high pick and rolls with him. I mean, there's so much opportunity there if he just unlocks who he is and has mm-hmm. confidence in who he is. And I feel like that's always the factor with DeAndre Ayton and his like 13 personalities. 
is of those 13 personalities, only one is truly confident in himself. That's true. Um, he needs to find that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He, he needs to, you know, take that and merge it with all of his other personalities. Yeah, maybe he can have the confidence in all the personalities and just form them as one like the Power Rangers do. You know? Yes, totally. That'd be awesome. <laughs> go, go, <laughs> go, go, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, It'd and we great. see it on the court. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> he's He's got so much potential, man. It's just – it's. It's, it's insane, been a while, yeah. obviously, since we've seen any basketball. But the more you go back and you just kind of watch the highlights, he's so good. And you just – he's one of those players who, because he's so good, as he's playing, you don't really notice yeah. it as much. It's just kind of – it's almost second nature. I mean, yeah, 19 and 12 this year. 19 and 12. Like, I mean, when's the last time we had a big like that? I mean, even like Amari Stoudemire, it took him a while to get those stats. Like, I just – yeah, I mean, the, the closest guy to have stats like that was, like, Sean Marion, who was nothing like DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guy's a rebounding machine. He's got decent hands. He's got uh, a great jump shot, you know. I mean, we always say, hey, don't don't shoot that, but then it goes in. We're like, okay, that's good, because that's going to open up his game more. We saw it at the end of his of the season how his footwork was improving consistently. Yeah. It's just so exciting to see where he's going to go. And I just, again, I just hope he figures out the mental part of the game, the competitiveness of the game. He's a guy I really wish watched the Michael Jordan documentary and like took something from it and said, you know what, if that's what I got to do to be successful, if I have to be angry and competitive, that's what I need to do. And it'd be great if he does. Well, I think he has the opportunity definitely. And I think he also knows, um, there's just something in me that says he's not going to be a bust. Um, I don't think anything like that's going to happen. Um, but then you hear James Jones's comments too, about how, like, why can't we just accept Aiden for who he is? So we might just get that. So it's like, he, I don't know what's going to come about with Aiden, dude. Well, if he goes 19 and 12, I can accept that. As long as we put something next to Booker that creates an offensive force. Cause you need that, yeah. that trio. Really? You have a solid trio you're going to be hard for other teams to stop and to game plan for defensively. And DeAndre Ayton down low is somebody who could be just a nightmare for defenses. And then if you have, you know, somebody who's got, who matches up really good against him, mm -hmm. two other options. I mean, that, that that's what great teams do. They don't just kill you one way. They can kill you three or four different ways. And the Suns, unfortunately right now can only kill you about 1.5 ways. And that's why, you know, they're uh, under 500 team. Exactly. Yep. You're totally right. Going into the season, one thing I actually just published an article this morning on the Bright Side of the Sun yeah, web website was, you know, how do you think that the players who are going to be free agents are going to perform during the restart of the season? Because it's interesting that if, if you think about it, Aaron Baines, Dario Sarge, Javon Carter, Frank Kaminsky, and Czech Diallo are all potential free agents. So Baines and Carter are unrestricted free agents. Uh, yeah. Sarch is a restricted free agent and then Kaminsky and Diallo are club options. So going into this time where we have eight games and you don't know how the Suns are necessarily going to perform, are they going to come out and go three and Oh, that's great. If they do, that means that Booker's going to be playing meaningful minutes. They're going to be competing and trying to make it to the playoffs. And you're just going to get a high level of Suns basketball. But if they come out, Oh, and three, if they come out one and four, you're going to see a lot more of those bench guys and that's an opportunity for them to kind of showcase one last time this season to other potential suitors, their skill set and their value. So how do you think 
they're going to perform. And who, who is kind of your sleeper? Who's the guy who, out of those five guys, and it's really four guys, because I feel like Aaron Baines has already proved himself and earned a contract. Out of those four guys, who has the most to play for, and who do you think is going to outperform our expectations? Javon Carter. He's a guy on the Megapod we just recently do. He's a, he's a guy, or we did, sorry, excuse me. Uh, he, uh, he was a guy I picked for the Suns most valuable player besides Devin Booker. And I know it's kind of laughable because you're talking about a guy off the bench. But honestly, if we get Javon Carter at his fullest with the defense, the three-point shooting, that is very valuable coming off the bench. And no matter what Rubio does or uh, even the other starters, like if you had that guy coming off the bench who can consistently for eight games give you what he did like when he was at his best, Mm -hmm. that is valuable more than I think anything. And I think he has a lot to prove to where he's going to get paid. Uh, He won't be on the Suns next year probably, but this is his time to play. And I just see him not – because I think a lot of players have the opportunity to be like, you know what, it's I'm going to get paid soon within a year. Like Kelly Oubre, I don't want to risk anything. But I can see Javon just attacking this as an opportunity to really show and make up for games that he wasn't at his greatest this season. Like this is his opportunity out of all of them. I think we know what we're going to get out of uh, Saric, even if we re-sign him uh, next year. So um, I just I think he has the best opportunity, man, Javon Carter. What's crazy is his contract right now is he only makes $1.4 million a year. Yeah. So he's a guy, and these next eight games can really up his value. Because, again, the eyes of the world are going to be upon everybody at this tournament and these playoffs because there's nothing else to watch. Yeah. The eyes of the NBA are going to be on it. GMs, everybody, because they're going to be in the, inside the bubble with nothing else to do. So guess what they're going to be doing? Watching the other teams play. So if you have somebody like Javon Carter, to your point – who comes out, plays defensively at a high level, can hit that three ball, and does so well in these last eight games, you'll take a look at the front end of the season where he kind of goes unnoticed, and then these eight games, and he could cash in on that. And I think you're right. I think he's somebody who could outperform our expectations and to the point where he might outperform being on the Suns next year, which would be sad because I really, really like him. I also think Frank Kaminsky's in this boat too, and that's my vote. I think Big Frank, seeing as he's a seven foot one guy who can shoot the three ball and wave his hand at his face because he's so hot and on fire every time he hits a three, he's somebody who is dying to play basketball. You know, he was injured for the last couple months of the season prior to the shutdown. He's somebody who's been working hard and getting in and staying in shape in preparation for this, and somebody who the modern NBA could really enjoy having. Mm-hmm. on their team a modern nba team could really enjoy having them on their team so he's somebody who comes out and if he you know shoots a decent percentage from downtown coming off the bench shows that competitive fire i think that he's somebody who who as well could perhaps price himself out of out of the sun's market which again is going to be interesting in the offseason just because you know we don't know what the cap space is going to be or or anything like that but he's somebody i was thinking about this earlier today He's kind of like a, a modern-day Channing Fry. Perfect. I think we've mentioned that before. Um, they both wore number eight. <laughs> yeah, I think we went – yeah, because he, he definitely is, man. Um, I feel like he's a little bit more aggressive than Channing Fry, right? Or yeah, no? yeah. We'll just like, is that weird to say? A little bit more re- – uh, he plays a little bit more like a center does. Channing Fry does, yeah. tried that at the beginning of his career, but he was just – he didn't have the girth, if you will. He didn't have the – 
the the body to yeah. bang down there and, and try to stop the opposition on the board. So he just kind of gradually, as the NBA grew away from uh, the basket, he grew with it. So, I mean, Kaminsky next year, he's a team option. $5 million is what the Suns could potentially offer him initially. So, or offer him initially. To re-sign him, it'd be $5 million. So yeah, he's it, somebody who I think that if he plays well, the Suns could be happy. I like Frank. I really do. I do too. He was my second choice. If I'm not picking Javon, it's Frank Kaminsky. Because the other three guys, I mean, we already know what we're going to get. Check Diallo. I mean, we've seen some potentially hit a, a couple of games that were um, pretty good. But besides that, I mean, we kind of know what he is. He's always going to be like probably the 11th or 12th man off the bench. Yeah. And if there's injuries and things of that nature – then he'll yeah. have an opportunity. But for the most part, yeah, he's just kind of your hustle guy. So although yeah, I'd definitely. like to keep him around, I feel like that's a bench spot that we could actually fill with somebody who's going to contribute to the team a little bit more. Exactly. Yep. So speaking of bench spots, going into the NBA season, the Suns actually have an opportunity to potentially sign somebody to assist them off the bench. You know, they – they have an open roster spot and a two-way spot available should they need to fill those spots before Orlando. One thing that's kind of going on is players are pushing back a little bit on playing in Orlando, which we'll talk Mm -hmm. about here in a little bit. But in doing so, that allows a roster spot to open. So there's a few different guys the Suns could go after. There's uh, Isaiah Thomas. They can bring back Tyler Johnson. Uh, Jamal Crawford is another guy who's been talked about a lot. Uh, so, so what do you think? I, I like Jamal Crawford coming back and helping the Suns if, if we need him. What do you think? I wouldn't be mad about it. The only thing is with Jamal Crawford, when watching him, when he played with the Suns, he was kind of hard to watch. He was a bit of a ball hog. and really didn't know. I mean, he wasn't want, something I wanted to help the team on the court, a young team. He was really great in the locker room. I think that would be awesome to have him in the locker room, of course. Uh, maybe just for that reason. Maybe if we sign him just to be there to help with the young – because they all love him. I mean, everyone in the NBA loves this guy. Uh, on the court, I don't want to see him playing. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's not – I mean, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas. Of course, I think we talked about that before where he he is basically part of the past where we don't want to bring back. Um, but Jamal Crawford, I feel like, would be a great asset just in the locker room itself. Well, and another thing that Jamal Crawford brings is a little bit of depth at that two-guard position, which I think we need a lot of help at. You know, Devin Booker comes off the court. You don't have any offense coming out of that two-guard position. Crawford could fill that. Uh, J.R. Smith's out there. That's somebody who you could bring in. What about bringing back Tyler Johnson? (laughs) Uh, Again, that's like a locker room guy. But the thing is, Tyler Johnson, I would take him over Jamal Crawford because I feel like if he's a guy that we're, you know, driving to the hoop – not taking a lot of shots, but driving to the hoop. We saw that where he can actually capitalize on that. But there's something where when he's on the court for too long or coming in too consistently, uh, he just falls off. So I would take Jamal Crawford, though, over any of these guys. I was thinking maybe Vince Carter because I know like he – I don't know if he's a free agent right now, but I think he has to finish <laughs> off with the uh, Hawks. He's yeah. on the Hawks, right? Yeah. But that would be cool like if somehow he could just choose to be on the Suns. I know, I, right? I like that. finish off his final season. Yeah, that would be awesome. What about DeMarcus Cousins? DeMarcus Cousins? He wouldn't play though, right? Yeah, he's out there. Is he? Yeah, but is he even healthy? I think so. Oh, I well, thought he was – I think I know he had the Achilles injury, um, but – 
I think he healed and they cut his ass. Oh, well, no. I don't think there, there's not going to be like there'll be G leaguers, right? That are going to come on this roster. Most likely. Yeah. So Most I think we'll focus on that. It's going to be someone that pops up and we're like, oh, like who's that? We got to research that guy. You know, that's what it's going to be like. This is also a roster spot that you most likely won't see this player. You know, so when we talk about Jamal exactly. Crawford, yeah. when we talk about Tyler Johnson, you make a good point with that. You know, bringing in Jamal Crawford would be good just for the locker room. And Tyler Johnson as well. He's another good guy to come in who could assist the locker room. I just hope he doesn't come in. He's like spiteful. He's like, hey, you guys waved my ass. I don't think he would be because I think a lot of the times I really do truly feel the players understand that they didn't, they didn't impact the team like they should. And I think for them to be cut isn't as personal as you would think just because, you know, they, he didn't produce. He had the opportunity. He never did. So to bring him back, I think he would be grateful for that, honestly. So another NBA news as we prepare for the NBA season to come back, I was yes. reading something on the ringer and they were talking about Nikolai Jokic being gone and you need to meet Nikolai Yoked. So he starts yeah. the season out of shape and now he spent a time during the hiatus working out and losing weight. I mean, they said he's lost 20, 30, maybe 40 pounds. And if uh-huh. you see the pictures of him, it's crazy, man. He doesn't look like the same guy. No, he doesn't. He looks like he's had liposuction. Seriously. Yeah, he but what his game though, I think it's just really built on his size. Yeah, like, I'm I interested think, to see how that translates. Yeah. One thing that always annoyed me was when people would get on him for being the way he was going into the season and like how big he was, but it doesn't matter cuz like you know how awesome it was when the Suns started the season and they were really right there with the Nuggets every game but it would still lose. Yep. Like that was an out of shape Jokic, but he just takes his time to get back into shape and he uses that body and size. So well, it's going to be a different kind of game. I'm very excited to see him play again just to see how Me it affects too. everything. Cuz when you lose that much weight, it's you're a different player. I mean, you're used to banging up against bodies and having them react a certain way. Definitely. When you start to lose that weight, you might go in there with the same shoulder drop, but they're not moving anymore. Now that shot is harder. Now, granted, he has really improved his three-point shooting over the past couple seasons, and he's somebody who's playing a little bit further away from the rim. But at the end of the game, I mean, I remember, I think every time Denver comes to town, I go to the games for some reason. And I remember both times in the fourth quarter, you know, he's kind of lumbering up and down the court all – all game long. And in the fourth quarter, they just go to him in the block and he just does whatever he wants because yeah. he has that skill set and he understands that body. So he's lost 20 to 50 pounds potentially. And he probably doesn't know how that's going to uh, affect his game as of yet. So I'm really interested to see that. And then I'm also interested to see James Harden because Jar- James Harden has also lost a bunch of weight as well. I was uh, on Twitter and they had a picture of James Harden and he was hiking a mountain at ASU on the Hayden Butte Preserve. <laughs> And you can see him, and he looks super skinny. And he, his thing is, I mean, he's a physical guy. He's, he has to have that muscle and that weight on him because he's banging bodies down low. I mean, he goes to the foul line. What's he shoot, like 12 free throws a game? Mm-hmm. You don't get those because people are, you know, lightly tapping you. You're getting them because people are demolishing you all game long. So he's another one who I'm really interested to see when the season starts back up, how their new bodies react to their gameplay. James Harden, though, he, he'll look the same, I think. I think this photo isn't – like, Jokic, it's like he lost 100 pounds. Yeah. This guy, though, uh, Harden, I don't think he is going to look any different, really. I think when we see him on the court, we're like, oh, okay, so he lost maybe 10 pounds. 
maybe if that he's an athletic guy. I don't know why everyone thinks he's like so fat. I think it's just the way he wears his Jersey so tight and he has like his nipples showing, you know, like he has like a little bit more nippleage than a lot of players do. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, so he'll look the same. <laughs> I know it honestly it makes sense in my head, uh, whether or not that makes sense to you. I don't, it, it makes sense. <laughs> I'm tracking. I'm tracking. I'm appalled, but I'm tracking. <laughs> so, Another story that's coming out with the NBA, you know, you have a lot of guys who are preparing to go back to battle and to, and to yeah. play NBA games again. And then you have kind of the other side of the coin. And we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. You know, you asked me the question, hey, if somebody chooses not to go play, will you be upset with them? And my answer was no, and it's still no. If that's their choice, that's their choice. You know, you do you. But it's interesting, Woj put out a tweet earlier this week a couple days ago, and he said, one respected NBA player tells me, once we start playing basketball again, the news will turn from systemic racism to who did what in the game last night. It's a crucial time for us to be able to play and blend that to impact what's happening in our communities. And I think that's very valuable because you can take that a couple different ways. One thing is you don't want NBA to come back and be a distraction from everything else that's going on in the world. It's needed don't get me wrong we need to be distracted a little bit but we shouldn't be distracted enough to where we stop caring about everything that's going on in the world and I think that's something that some players are kind of standing behind and they're like listen I don't want to go back and play not because I'm afraid of COVID I don't want to go back and play because I don't want to support distracting from what's actually going on in the world that's one way to take it and then obviously the other way to take it is seen as we're stars and people are tuned into us, we can utilize this to assist the platform to, to say what we want to say. So what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, the last point, it, it makes a lot of sense because the news is going to cover what they want to cover. And if you have stars like the NBA players holding out and not playing the rest of the season and keep on, and they keep on demonstrating the way they are now, they're going to continue to actually cover that. Yeah. Um, so the way it is, a lot of it, the NBA is just covered all the time. Like you see it nonstop on ESPN, of course, whatever. But what they do behind the scenes, of course, like LeBron, you know, he has the schools, donates millions of dollars, does a ton of stuff. You just barely see any of that. Oh, yeah. So I think for them to pull back the NBA season the rest of the year and just continue doing what they're doing till next season would be a much bigger impact because the media, if there's basketball, we're only going to see that. But if the players, after the game, they continue to do what they're doing now, it's, I don't think it's going to be as covered as much. It's just not because you have NBA back. You have the money coming in from all the people watching NBA. So it, that's the way I see. I see I see this as something that probably is going to happen. And because if they go back to play at NBA, they're going to be doing what they did in the past when stuff like this happened. And I think the real thing now is – they're not going to do that. They're going to actually have an opportunity to sit it out and say, I'm going to continue doing this. But the only thing is, if the NBA comes back, even if those players aren't playing, I feel like the NBA is going to be covered more than what they're doing. So I don't know if it makes any sense. It's just saying that the media is going to cover what they want to cover, but the players should still do what they want to do. Just knowing that they're affecting the world. It's just, we can't see it because I'm not going to be able to see it because I'm not in the community. I don't even, you know what I mean? I'm far from it unless I see it on TV. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> I still think the players, no, but I just think the players are still going to be able to do what they want. It's just the only way it's going to be covered by the media 
is if they're not playing in the NBA season. So, No, I completely agree. I think that this is an opportunity for some NBA players. It's almost like t- uh, Kaepernick taking a knee. You know, when Kaepernick took a knee during NFL games, he got attention for it. A lot of attention. Good, bad, or indifferent, he got attention for it. Some players, that's, this is going to be their opportunity to be like Kaepernick and take that knee for what they believe is right. I'm not saying the majority of the NBA players are going to do it. I think it's going to be a select few. They're like, listen, I'm not playing because there's social injustice going on, which is completely fine by me. You know, if that's what they want to do, go for it. I completely support that. Again, it's strange times, man. This 2020 is the weirdest, weirdest time ever, man. I mean, nothing will ever be the same again. It won't. And like, I remember Bill Simmons said that at the beginning of this. I'm like, well, maybe it will, but it's not. And there's no reason for it to go back to the way it is to be normal again it's like if it is gonna go back that way we'll be like uh eh. like something is gonna something tragic is gonna have to happen again for it to go back the way it is now but i just think it's this is the way it's gonna be it's like everybody they're not gonna make any money anybody that's a superstar anybody that's in the nba can really make any decision they want now uh-huh. they can do whatever they want and they should take um full responsibility and taking part of any kind of action they can towards what they want to do yeah, I mean, it's the player empowerment era at its finest. It is. Everybody has a brand. Everyone has a platform. And they were talking on some podcast. I think it was Bill Simmons, again, because we listen to him all the time. And they're talking about in 2014 when the Clippers had an opportunity to really make a statement following everything that happened with their racist owner. And yeah. because they didn't want to hurt their brands, you know, they kind of they didn't know how much power they had and how that's really changed now in the NBA. You know, if if there was a racist owner who made some you know, inappropriate remarks, those players wouldn't play, man. And that's the difference. They'd be like, listen, we're not playing for you, dude. You know, you're not, yeah. you're, you can't run us like that. So, I mean, it's, uh, again, I think 2020 is our 1968. 1968, it was such a pivotal moment in the history of the United States of America. You had Martin Luther King got shot. You had uh, Robert F. Kennedy got shot. You had so much, you know, the civil rights movement is going on. You have Vietnam was going on. So you had all these, there was actually a a flu pandemic in the beginning of that year too. No one ever talks about that, but there's actually, if you go back and look, the 1968 flu pandemic, it was huge. It was like coronavirus-esque. And you look at all these different things that kind of happened culturally and they, they just, you know, the country was coming apart at the seams. So that's our 2020. I really believe that, you know, that's, like you said, nothing's going to be the same after this year, you know, and I'm interested yeah. to kind of see we've really shifted away from basketball. <laughs> yeah. But. It's like either, either we follow this through or else we go back quickly to watching the Suns lose. Like, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, even if they win, it's just, it wouldn't be satisfying until everything is just followed through and then re- remain. And then you can continue the NBA season next season or something. I don't know. They'll figure it out. Whatever. I'm all for it. And unless we talk about Kyrie Irving later, I'm just sick of people like painting him a certain way. Cause we always give him crap, but it's like, we don't see. Well, let's talk Kyrie about Kyrie. Irving. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm just saying like, we don't see the real Kyrie and like, he's always painted it in a negative light, but yeah. I feel like he has a lot to offer. And he, he always before we, he would be the butt of a joke a lot and he would, but there's just, so, there's, it is so much more than basketball. And that's the way he's been trying to prove like he has something to offer more than basketball. And like, now we're all listening to what he has to offer. 
because he's one of the ones who's talking about holding out for the remainder of the season, right? Yeah. For, for just that reason. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, and I completely agree with you on that. I mean, Kyrie Irving is the butt of a lot of jokes because he's one of those – he's not an earth-flat guy, right? He he is, but he – Oh, so that I'll make fun of him for because that's just fucking ridiculous. Well, no, he it wasn't like he was. He was just saying, don't believe everything people tell you. That's basically why he said he believes in flat earth. It's basically because – don't believe everything you see. That's why he brought it out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, find out for yourself what the world is really truly is. I don't know. So. Oh, yeah. Th- think for yourself. Don't be yeah. told what to think. And I think it's <laughs> – and here's what I think. I think that in these times, you know, that's kind of the challenge. I mean, there's so much information out there. Having the ability to filter out the bullshit's tough, man. A, yeah. a, a Twitter headline – you know, you just turn on the nightly news and somebody's telling you what they think is going on. It's not so much reporting as it is opinionated reporting. I and mean, that's what we do on a podcast here. We're giving our opinions on the Phoenix Suns and what we think they should do and who they should draft and things like that. And based on what we're saying, you might have a change in opinion. Oh, yeah, you know, that is a good draft pick. Or, oh, no, the Suns should trade the draft pick based on the information that we presented to you. And it's, you know, it's one thing if it's Phoenix Suns basketball, but it's another thing when it deals with social injustice, the police, uh, COVID itself. I mean, there's so many different things out there right now that are so – there's just so much for the media to talk about that I, I personally – I don't watch the news, man. I watch the weather, and I don't even know why yeah. I do that because it's like, uh, it's going to be hot tomorrow. Okay, cool. I got that down. I just like to want to know when the yeah. monsoons are coming. But Which, exactly, hey, it's yeah. the 14th of uh, – June. Do you know it's the official start date of the monsoon season? Is it today? I think I do that every year you say that. I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, and for those of you who don't know what the monsoon season is, technically the monsoon season begins in Arizona when the dew point goes over 60 degrees three consecutive days. But that's way too hard to understand. So they said, okay, June 14th. I mean, we won't see a monsoon storm for like three weeks, but... Today's yeah, it'll probably be start. Cause, cause the, I love those monsoons. The, the dew point was what, 25 degrees yesterday? Yes, I yeah. know what the dew point was because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> well, you said you don't watch the news. So we always talk about how Twitter's kind of our news thing. So it Twitter, is, yeah. honestly, I get a lot of information from Twitter, but I don't know what to believe anymore. So I'm almost off of Twitter besides trying to just like, you know, promote as much as we can of this podcast. But Besides that, it's just hard to be on Twitter because there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of arguing and no one's ever listening on Twitter. It's like it's kind of defeating the purpose of what we're trying to do here. I think it's just people yelling at people that aren't even there. (laughs) It's very strange and nothing you see like you'll see a video of like the Wendy's where it's like, oh, a white girl like burn it down. And then you'll see another video. It's like, oh, it wasn't just a white girl. And then you'll see another video. It's like, oh, is this person? You know what I mean? It's just like always a different video. You don't see the whole thing. So it's hard to believe anything. Um, I'm with you, man. I check Twitter less and less, unless it's based on the podcast or something sports related. That's primarily what I'm checking. Cause that's where I used to get my news. Cause I have a few different news things that I follow and you can kind of filter out the bullshit by seeing all sides. But to your point, everybody, especially in an election year. Everybody is so, hey, I'm part of uh, party A, I'm part of party B. You're not part of party A, then you're an idiot. You're not part of party B, then fuck you. I mean, it's like, it's, people are mean to each other. And I think that, again, I had that little rant at the beginning of our last podcast about just do unto others, man. Other people are going to have different opinions than you, and that's a good thing. It's good that we have different opinions and we accept 
that other people have other opinions because that's what allows us all to grow. If we all thought the same way and we just marched in a straight line and did the same thing, I mean, what fun is that? That's not, that's not living. So be around people who don't think like you and under, try to understand why they think the way that they do and be respectful of it. Don't you know, yeah. just call them idiots. It's just, and that's all Twitter is right now is everybody's that calling is. everybody else idiots. Maybe it's always been this way because I'm kind of newer. I think I've only been on it a year. So I think this is the way it's always been. And I feel bad about myself going on there. I just, I don't know. It's a tough thing to deal with. So I might be off of it. Yeah. it's uh, all, that, all my 41 followers are going to be so disappointed. They're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> what am I going to do with my life? Let's talk about like one more thing. So I think we just right, went down a, a rabbit hole. And yeah. uh, how, okay. about we, how about we go to a tweet? <laughs> yes that Evan Sittery put out and he said, so during the 2017 NBA draft, Phoenix had the opportunity to ship Eric Bledsoe to Denver for the number 13 overall pick. Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo were both on the board and the Suns said, no thanks. Four months later, Bledsoe forced his way out of Phoenix. So I guess we aren't going down something happy because we're talking about Suns. <laughs> yeah. But what are your thoughts on that, man? We could have potentially had Donovan Mitchell. We could have potentially had Bam Adebayo. I mean... I hate to play the what if who we would have yeah. actually picked with that game. But I do think that if the Suns had an opportunity to get rid of Bledsoe the year before we got rid of Bledsoe for nothing, God, that would have been nice. It would have. And he ruined a lot of uh, the future the Suns had just because they had so much on him. Him mm-hmm. just leaving just destroyed a lot. And it's come around uh, very slowly <laughs> for the Suns to get any kind of decently better. Um, but I think it's just it's hard to think of this stuff because I don't even know if they would have chose Donovan Mitchell or Bam. I would have rather had Bam, of course, just because yes. we have Booker. So yeah. maybe it's someone they would have got. But um, I don't know, man. It's just it's tough to even think about this because Booker or not Booker, uh, Bledsoe just destroyed a lot from leaving. I mean, I don't blame him for leaving, but I mean, I liked him before the season he left. But I don't know, man. It's this is not even more happier than what we talked about before. So. <laughs> uh, it was just one last thing for Ryan McDonough to fuck up. It really was. Um, but, I mean, that's all over, right? Yep. We're looking yeah. to the future now. So, speaking of the future, we do have a mailbag question from Harish. And he just wants to know, what do you think DeAndre Ayton's highest ceiling is? So, look into the future. Something okay. positive. DeAndre Ayton, yeah. we talked about him a little bit earlier. What do you think his highest ceiling is? Uh, the mayor of Phoenix. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's a hell of a ceiling. Of <laughs> uh, I don't know if you would want to be a mayor here. I don't even know what they do. Um, <laughs> no, DeAndre Ayton, dude. Like, I don't know. We don't know his ceiling. It's very strange. A very strange graphic we have to where we don't know how high he can go. I feel like people know Luca's ceiling already. I think he's at his ceiling, but we don't know what DeAndre Ayton has in store for us. We really don't. What do you think? So what I did is I went to basketball reference and I compared him in through his second season to five other bigs in the history of the NBA. I I love doing that. Yeah. Okay. So I had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hakeem Olajuwon, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, and David Robinson. And I'm looking at the per 36s here just because the, the games, you know, for two seasons, the major, every one of these guys had over 150, other than Aiton, 101, uh, and Bill Russell, 117. So look at just the kind of their per 36s. You look at points, he's most comparable to 
He's right in between Bill Russell and Akeem Olajuwon. Akeem Olajuwon's per 36, 22 points a game. Bill Russell, 15.3. Didn't really start his career very strong. Uh, Aiden has a 19.6 points per game. Yeah. And it's per 36. You look at total rebounds, he's number four out of the six guys, and he's right in between Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, David Robinson. He's only like 0.2 away from David Robinson at 12.3. You, you look at the field goal percentage, number one, DeAndre Ayton. Has to be. Has to be, yeah. 57% is his field goal percentage. The next best was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his first two years at 54%. So, and again, that, one of the reasons I wanted to kind of do the per 36 is that it gave DeAndre Ayton kind of a few more shot attempts because I think that's the one challenge. We talked about it earlier. If DeAndre Ayton shot the ball more, he'd score more points. I mean, that's there's just no doubt <laughs> yeah. about it. I mean, he's yeah. he's almost 60% from the freaking field. So as you look at who his ceiling potentially could be, obviously I picked some really prolific centers in the history of the game. All of them are Hall of Famers. I feel like from a a physical standpoint, David Robinson's the one he most mirrors and so too, yeah. you know and i think his game can mirror his a lot uh, obviously he's got a better jump shot i think first team all ba all nba that's his ceiling he'll never be an mvp because i don't know if a center will ever be an mvp again but i think he's a first team all nba guy i really believe that i believe that he's somebody who could be a first or second team all nba defensive center you know after like rudy gobert kind of gets out of the league who's the other really good defensive centers in the league Jokic isn't great at defense. He's good, but he's not great. I mean, who's yeah, there, there's not. I mean, no one really is good at defense. Like Anthony Davis, if you count him as a five, he's not even that good at defense. Whereas you look again at uh, at DeAndre Ayton's stats. Now blocks they didn't have for like the '70s and the '60s. So like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, they don't have any block stats. Yeah. But you look at David Robinson, and his first two years had 3.8 blocks. Hakeem Olajuwon, three blocks a game. DeAndre Ayton, 1.3. You know, so he's got some, some work to do there. I don't know. I just I think yeah. that I think all, first All-NBA and first All-NBA defensive NBA, that's his season. That's perfect. And the only way he'll be MVP is if the Suns go come out of this rut and he's just our best player. So if he's and our best dominating. player. dominating. Dominating. Um, and he has a chance. The only thing is I saw, like, a photo of him in the gym. And there was like some quote he said, and it was really inspiring. I wish I could find it again. And I don't know if it was recent or what, but it looked like he, he had more hair on his face. So I'm assuming it was recent. Okay. Um, but it was just like an inspiring quote about him, like him proving people wrong, that he was the right pick. And I want to find that for the next podcast. Um, it, was, it, it made me feel really good about myself. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. We need to yeah. feel good about ourselves, you know? We do, we, yeah. We, we kind of went down a dark hole on this one. We did. It's monsoon season, man. Yeah. It gets yeah. dark out yeah. here. Yeah, ever, ever since monsoon season kicked up this morning, man. <laughs> I think I'm just in a dark place because my back is killing me. Yeah, it's, it's your back, back, your work. Oh, uh, man. When uh, your back's – oh, man, the back thing. It's everything. You cough, yeah. you sneeze, you're just like, ah. Uh. Dude, the chiropractor I went to, I'll, I'll tell you later. Never mind. I, I need to go to a chiropractor, though. I need to get an adjustment or something, man. Yeah, this, this guy I went to, though, he's, he's good. He doesn't really crack you everywhere. He's just like, I don't know. I'll tell you later, but he's not a real – Oh, he's, okay. He's a witch doctor. So. Oh, okay. Voodoo. Yeah, the witch doctor. Yeah. I, I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> well, uh, that's kind of it for this episode of the Sun's Jam Session. We'll yeah. be putting out another podcast eh, probably Wednesday. You know, we're going to two weeks right now, Sun's Jamsters. So we appreciate you tuning in and enjoying 
everything that you're hearing and giving us great feedback. You can always email us at sunsjamsession at gmail.com. That's where we get our mailbag questions and any suggestions you have for the show. We truly appreciate them. We read everyone. We respond as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And just don't follow the news because it's fucking depressing. So uh, that's all I got to say on this podcast. Yeah, that's it. Just stay home and love your family. Mm-hmm.